Hi, this is Tiffany Bova. Welcome to the What's Next podcast, where I have the pleasure of welcoming Dr. Diane Hamilton to the show today. She is a nationally syndicated radio host, award-winning speaker, author, and educator. She is the MBA program chair at the Forbes School of Business and at several other universities. She has a PhD in business management, <laughs> smarty pants, and is a certified Myers-Briggs MBTI, an emotional intelligence EQI instructor. She is the creator of the Curiosity Code Index and the author of four books, Cracking the Curiosity Code, the Online Student's User Manual, How to Reinvent Your Career, and It's Not You, It's Your Personality. I'm excited to have Diane on today because of her keen insights into what drive curiosity and how we can all learn to be more curious. Welcome to the show, Diane. Oh, thank you, Tiffany. It's so nice to be here. It's always interesting when I have people on the show that like it's a PhD and MBA, you know, nine degrees. It's like, man, I just got my undergrad. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and just I was happy. That's all. <laughs> just we just like a little bit of punishment, maybe. I don't know. Maybe I don't know how you do it. I really, I just don't know how. Uh, you oh. know, I, I, you know, we're going to talk about this, but you know, I am curious, but not in a student kind of way. So mm -hmm. anyway, all right. So I, I start off my show with something uh, that I call bullish and bearish, nothing too painful. Okay. Too, you know, I'm going to ask you three questions. Bullish is you are for it. Bearish is you are against it. And in all transparency, as I always say, rarely do people not go down the middle. <laughs> so, <Okay. laughs> you know, if you're feeling down the middle, um, mm -hmm. but hold the sort of backup comments to the conversation, unless it's something really short so that we can get through those and get to the, to the meat of this podcast. So are you ready? Embarrassed. That's it. Okay. That's it. it. Ready? Mm -hmm. All right. The first one, curiosity is the greatest leadership trait. Oh, definitely bullish. Yeah, that's sort of a softball. You got to start off easy, right? So that people don't get scared. Okay. Uh-oh. Now what? Uh-oh. All right. The next one is nothing new comes out of the status quo. A bullish. All right. And the third one, a little more fun. Okay. Robots. Robots can become more curious. That bullish. Oh, you know, I have been three for three lately on these books. I feel like I'm <laughs> softballing everybody now. I can't believe it. Like, I, you know, okay, so I'm going to dig into, I'm going to dig into those, but I'm going to, I'm just going to quickly have a little fun with the uh, robots becoming curious. And you were very quick to say bullish. That's because I studied it. <laughs> yeah. So let's start there. I want to okay. hear. Yeah. You know, actually on my show recently, I had uh, Jürgen Schmidhuber. I don't know if you know who he is. But he is the father of artificial intelligence. And uh, I, I found him fascinating. I mean, his work is in 3 billion devices right now. I mean, what we're, you know, your cell phone, you can thank him for anything that's transcribing, anything that's doing anything he's created. So I, I, I found him when I was researching uh, curiosity and whether, you know, how it is in artificial intelligence. And um, basically, they're teaching, they're taking robots and they're finding that if they'll, if they have them play, like, um, this isn't Jurgen's work, but when I found Jurgen this way by looking at this other research, that uh, they, these robots, they would play like Super Mario Brothers for not ha and not give them extrinsic rewards. They would just, you know, not no points or anything just to see if they go on to the next level, and they do, because they want to know what happens next. 
And they develop this artificial curiosity. And, and I talked to Jurgen about that a bit, that they, they have this sense of artificial curiosity that they're able to develop. Um, and it, it's very fascinating to me. Uh, but he was a little worrisome to me, too, because he's like, yep, the robots are basically going to take over the world and then the, the universe and the galaxies and yeah, <laughs> the other way around. I mean, and then <laughs> that we're just going to be a blip. And I'm like, okay, well, <laughs> something to look Well, that's definitely to. one school of thought, right? I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, I don't think he thinks it's going to happen immediately. But um, he was saying, you know, that's basically the future of, you know, mankind is here. And he's, he looks at it as a positive thing. Like we're, uh, you know, because of the, us that this is ha- going to happen, you know, eventually. And uh, he's had a part in the whole thing. So, yeah, it's super interesting, right? I think this whole kind of machine and human, human machine, machine alone, human alone, like how do we all sort of uh, cohabitate? Um, in the sort of, you know, Internet of Things, fourth industrial revolution, which is so different. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it, it's something that I think you'll be able to cohabitate for a while until they maybe don't see it as very useful. Um, I don't know. But right now, I don't think we're anywhere near that. And I think we're more worried about what impact AI is going to have on jobs and uh innovation and you know just real signing people to doing different things because what we used to do we can no longer do and in the past you know we'd say well it's no big deal uh if you have computers take this job because you'll need a computer operator but you know but now it's it's there's a a computer to run the computer you know so it's getting to be um, a little more challenging, and I, God, I was trying to remember who it was that was on my show recently who said something so fascinating to me, said that it doesn't really um, matter if they take those jobs because people just want what they want. It doesn't mean they don't necessarily need things. Like, you'll you'll create a company to, to give them something they think they want, and then that'll be your job. And I, I thought that was a really interesting concept that I hadn't really thought of it that way. I mean... There are going to be people that will give us transportation, things that we need, but then they'll also sell us whatever XYZ product is that we don't even know we want and we think we do and we don't really need it. Yeah, and I like the inverse of that because I think it's a great segue to the topic of curiosity is, you know, there's a great quote by, you know, it's very famous by Alvin Toddler, right, which the illiterate of the 21st century will not be those who cannot read and write, but those who cannot learn, unlearn and relearn. And I think the underlying story there and that sort of learn, unlearn, relearn is curiosity. Because if you're not curious, then you just kind of keep going back to the status quo, which was one of the bullish and bearish, right? Where you said, or I said, nothing new comes out of the status quo and you said bullish. So you have to be willing to learn, unlearn and relearn to be curious. But before you answer that, I'd love to hear how you sort of frame out defining curious and curiosity? Well, I think that's really a fascinating uh, discussion because, I mean, curiosity is a desire to learn and explore more. But, you know, a lot of people get it confused with motivation uh, to go to the next step. And I think that you really have to be curious to become motivated. And so you might have learned something in the past that you think you know everything about and you don't like it anymore or you thought, you know, this was not interesting or whatever. But it's the experience you had has created this dialogue in your head that we'll get into when we talk about the factors that impact curiosity. 
And that's what was interesting to me is that some of it has to be relearned or unlearned. It's almost like, you know, you don't want to learn golf the wrong way. Then you got to relearn <laughs> and do it the right way. It's a lot harder. But all of us have to do that because what we've learned and done in our youth, it, it's different now. What we liked when we were young, we, we won't necessarily still like or we might like it so much better if we looked at it again. And so what, that's what I'm trying to do is when I'm talking about curiosity is opening this dialogue uh, to, to figure out what it is that's holding us back from being curious so that we, we talk about some of these things and re-examine some of our thought processes for why we do certain things. And maybe we would be more interested in some ideas and uh, opportunities if we put a little more thought into them. Well, if you go back to what you just said about, you know, when you were younger, when you were a kid, you know, I, I it, it immediately popped into my head sort of the Sheryl Sandberg comment about, you know, little girls being called bossy instead of, and then, you know, boys that might've been right. bossy being ca called mm -hmm. future leaders. Right. And I'm totally paraphrasing and I, I maybe I butchered <laughs> that. So I hope everybody just takes it for no, I think the way close. I said it. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's close, right? Uh -huh. And so you can almost think and and, and imagine sitting on, well, you know, I, I fly a lot. I'm sure you do too. You know, sitting on a plane and sitting next to a small kid next to a parent and the kid is just going, why, 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 right. why, right? This sort of, I, why do we, how, why does the plane stay in the air? Why do we, you know, why do we do this? Mommy, why do I have to, or daddy, whatever it is, it's this constant why. And it's almost like you hear parents go, it's just because, and it's almost like you knock the why, the curiosity right, exactly. out of them. I, I'm I'm really going deep into areas I know nothing about. However, just stay with me for a second. That right, if you knock that out as you get older, it's almost like you no longer ask why. Because as you get older, you realize, and especially if you're climbing up the leadership ladder, uh, or you feel like, or you sense that if you ask why and you ask a lot of questions. Uh, that it maybe makes you seem um, more vulnerable or that you don't know the answers. And so does that mean that you're not qualified because you don't know that? And so it might expose this gap between what you know and what you don't know. And as a leader, it's almost like I have to lead you, which means I have to know. And I almost think that that is counter, it's counterintuitive, but I think it, I think for me, that's where uh, the magic happens. Well, you know, you bring up some really important things with what you just said. Uh, I think a lot of leaders are afraid that they're going to be found out that they don't know, you know, more than they do. And they don't want to be vulnerable and look dumb, just like anybody else. Right. And so they, we, we need to um, what I'm trying to do with this curiosity code and everything I'm working on is. You know, if you want to change the culture to get people to be more open to new ideas because they were shut down in their youth when they were a kid, maybe they're told to, to children are to be seen and not heard or whatever it is, you know, that we they tell right. kids, right? Right. They, that it's come through. Even the leaders have that sense of that, uh, uh, their brain saying, you know, oh, I don't want to look bad. I don't want to feel made, you know, be the stupid one by asking the question. But to change the culture, you really need to be vulnerable a little bit and, and not try to worry about if you're an imposter. And, and I've interviewed so many great people like Keith Crock wrote the foreword of my book, and he's the billionaire genius behind DocuSign. And he is so humble. He talks about, you know, surrounding himself with people who know a bit more than he does. He doesn't try to pretend that he knows everything, even though he probably does. He's being very humble. But he, he really is a very smart guy. And it, it just reminds me of Wozniak's book 
where he talks about uh, how his father uh, taught him to really figure out creating these devices and why things worked and, and opened up his mind to why things are the way they are instead of saying, stop asking why. And I think some of us have had that experience in childhood where our parents had were annoyed and told us to stop asking why. And then others had people like, they were like, Wozniak got lucky and had somebody tell you why. But whether you had it or you didn't have it, uh, I think all of us get to school age and the teachers can't answer every single question or they, you know, they have to teach to the test or there's curriculum, there's different reasons. Uh, you have a boss who really doesn't want to look bad. They look at it as insubordination if you even question anything. You know, there's so many things that it'll impact whether people feel, you know, confident to ask questions or to uh, propose solutions. Yeah, and I think you said something that was really critical there. I, I totally agree. I think uh, humility uh, and curiosity are connected. Right. I can't break that, I think. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I want to, I want to make sure we cover off on, uh, the four sort of curiosity inhibitors that you found in your work, because, you know, I would tell you that, you know, people will say to me like, you know, where do you spend a lot of your time? You're sort of feels like from the outside, right. I'm all over the place. So there's some method to my madness, mm -hmm. but you know, a lot of my day is around this curiosity, like the conversation around, you know, would robots become curious? Well, you said something and I'm going to be like, you know, I want to know more about that. Right. right like, right. I had never heard that. I want mm -hmm. to know more about that. And so it's this constant sort of how do I capture all these data points and then how do I assimilate them in something that becomes uh, something others would be interested in? And so uh, I accidentally realized I'm super curious, but I also remember when I was probably 11 or 12 and I was in the back of my best friend's car, we were driving to the beach. I'm from Hawaii. And so we were driving to the beach and her dad literally turned around and just said to me, just like, stop talking. <laughs> yeah. That's so sad though. I mean, yeah, they just do that. Stop talking. Just yeah. stop talking. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was mm -hmm. like, you know, asking questions yeah. and tuck it, tuck it. Right. And then in the back of my head, you know, that sort of Sheryl Sandberg moment. Right. Mm -hmm. I, I can't, I always sort of reference back that like, like I make my living talking now. Right. Right. Yeah. Me you too. Know? Yeah. And, and yeah. sometimes I need to listen more. So yeah, I think what he could have said is maybe you could listen more. Yeah. Would that would have been, have been better. better than just <laughs> stop talking. Right. But anyway, um, um uh, so maybe you could step us through the uh, the sort of the, the four factors that might inhibit curiosity and how you landed on those. Well, uh, you mentioned one of them, but I'm going to put them in order because it's an acronym. Uh, fear, assumptions, technology, and environment are um, the, the acronym of uh, FATE uh, to help you remember it better. But you mentioned an environmental influence, definitely, with your uh car ride situation, but uh, I came upon these, I did some research, basically I went out and found, uh, asked a lot of questions about what holds people back from um, being curious. And I expected fear to be like a very big topic because nobody wants to look dumb, nobody wants to fail, nobody wants to be embarrassed, loss of control, all the things that go with failure, right? So that one didn't surprise me much. And um, as I started to get other people giving me input, I also got uh, assumptions, which uh, I called it that, to, uh, because it kind of is that voice in your head that you assume you won't like something, you assume it's, you know, you're not going to have interest, it's not necessary, so much work, whatever the little voice is that tells you, I'm not going to do this, basically, right? Because I did it in the past, why bother? Or I never liked that, you know, sounds boring, that type of stuff. 
And then technology was another one because we let it do it, everything for us. We don't care to find out the foundation behind it or the possibilities that it has or, you know, we weren't exposed to it. We, it's changed so much. We don't know what to do. We're overwhelmed. It's too much. You know, it's information overload. There's so much that goes with that. And then environment, like your example, could go back to your childhood where somebody told us to shut up or they told us, you know, we, we don't have time for that in class. There's other students I got to teach. I can't answer every single question or my family always did this for a living. So you're going to do this for a living. And that's stupid to do that. Your siblings will say or whatever. You know what I mean? You get so many influences as you grow older. And then when you get into working situations, I've had, you know, a lot of old fashioned thinking leaders, you know, they didn't want you to give your two cents worth or ask any questions. You just do as you're told and keep your head down. And that was it. Right. So there's all these environmental factors. And so what I did was I created this assessment to ask 36 questions to get your input for all these factors to give feedback of how much each of them impacts your ability to be curious and gives potential ideas of how to improve and helps you create a, an action plan for uh, developing you know, ways to overcome this. And we're training HR professionals and uh, leadership consultants and everybody uh, at organizations. To me, this is something that should be given as they would give an emotional intelligence test or any other personality assessment like a DISC or anything else. I think that all the people in organizations need to know what's impacting their curiosity so that they can move forward because it's tied in to everything that leaders are trying to fix in the workplace. Communications, critical thinking, conflict, creativity, innovation, productivity, you name it, engagement. It all comes back to curiosity. And so what would be sort of this is twofold. So for the listeners who are individual contributors and said, you know, God, I I feel like I'm in a rut, right? You know, I'm I'm not reading, I'm not listening to a podcast. Well, they are if they're listening to this, but you get my <laughs> point, right? I'm not doing enough of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately, you know, I, I feel like I maybe I've lost that spark of curiosity. What can an individual do to reignite that interest in becoming more curious, uh, both personally and professionally? Well, I think it helps to find out what it is that's holding you back. So once you know if it's a fear, if it's an assumption, it's a, you know, one of those factors, you it, it'll give you some insight as to, oh, I, I don't want to do that for this reason, right? So then you know what the problem is, and then you can devise a plan if you found it boring in the past, maybe you need to try something, a different version of it. Or, you know, if you always read XYZ magazine, then read ABC magazine and just try it for a day here and there. And you come up with little action plans of, of little tiny changes. Drive this way instead of that way to, to do this to, and notice something along the way for that. Or if you want to become more critical uh, thinking and all these other things that are based on what you found out on your uh, assessment, maybe... Uh, create a way to teach somebody something that you find interesting, but you've never really researched in depth. And then the best way to learn something is to teach it. So there's all these little um, tips and tricks and things you can do to just develop, um, to find out whether this is something you even want to explore in more detail. Well, so you, you talk about the assessment and so maybe you can step through, oh, let me actually, sorry about that. Let me, let me finish the other side of that coin. Now I'm a leader and I want to be more curious, but I don't want to look vulnerable. Right. <laughs> right, right. We have the individual contributor. So now I'm a middle manager, you know, I'm, I'm moving up the ladder, but I, you know, I have this assumption that if I look like I don't know something, then I'm not qualified. 
Right. And that is very common. And the, the problem is in leadership, if they, I really think, you know, the culture comes from the top. And if the CEO doesn't embrace the importance of making people feel comfortable to be curious, it's, it's kind of hard to get everybody else to buy in. But that's what I want to get this message to all levels, you know, and it can help to start in the middle. I think a lot of people will, will appreciate showing vulnerability uh, and that, you know, I don't know everything and I'm willing to start by showing you that I'm going to ask a question I normally wouldn't ask uh, because I thought it might make me look stupid and just kind of put it out there. I want you guys to become more, uh, you know, curious. And if it's, you're being held back by fear, I'm going to show you something I normally wouldn't ask and to get the ball rolling because I don't know the answer to this. And you may think, wow, I can't believe he doesn't know the answer. She doesn't know the answer to that. But, right. You know, it, but it shows people that you are buying into this need for this cultural change. Yeah. And I think that that is super important. And so if I'm in the middle and I have upper management uh, and it depends, right? Because I think, um, you know, there's, there's the whole philosophy around sort of the fixed mindset and the growth mindset and the fixed mindset is kind of, this is the way we do it. Right. You know, the growth mindset from uh, Carol is, is much more about, well, why, right. And Mm -hmm. is there a better way to do it and consistently um, being curious and being curious all the time. And, uh, I think that those that have really, you know, innovated and, and shaked up, you know, entire industries have just been relentlessly curious, uh, almost, and, and yet that it was very inspirational to inspire people to follow them on this journey. So, uh, you know, so you're at the top of your game and you want to make sure that you're uh, getting people to be curious on their own and showing that you can be curious. Is that a good sort of flywheel effect. Right. Well, you, you know, you bring up Carol Dweck's work and I think, you know, the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset is a really important way to look at it because if you just look at it as, you know, people are not going to be uh, more apt to research and do things. If you tell them, Oh, you're naturally good at this. You, you, you know, you don't, you didn't have to work very hard. It's just, you you have this common skill that, that you were born with as compared to if you tell people, wow, you worked really hard at that. Thank you so much. And then you give them more of that growth wanting to, to achieve more mindset. So I love that you brought that up. I did mention her work in my book and I think that that's so important. Yeah. And I think it's, it's sometimes, you know, often I'll hear people when they're talking about growth specifically mm-hmm. is uh, you know, how can we do, you know, X, Y, Z better? Right. You know that, mm-hmm. right. And, and I, I tend to back up and go, okay, but before I answer that, like, help me understand why are you doing X, Y, Z in the first place? Yeah. Well, you know, right. that's really important because <laughs> how can you know whether, you know, uh, everybody's got iPhones the way they look now is you know, they used to have a certain look to them. Right. But then if you had kept making them that same way, they wouldn't have expanded to what they are now. You have to think of why you're even doing it or creating something in the way that you're creating it to, to know uh, you don't, you don't want to make a, a faster horse. You needed a car so you wouldn't have nine feet of manure in the street. Right. And that's why they did it something different. So you have to look, what's the problem? What am I trying to, to fix and uh, really explore the questions of why you're doing it the way you're doing it. And should there be a better way? Yeah. And it's Steve Jobs was, you know, sort of famous for that curiosity, right? He had this ferocious appetite for learning and learning and learning (laughs) and question and ask and, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of, you know, just disrupt everything. 
um, and, and his approach to problem. And many obviously say, or, you know, have said about him and the way he would hire us. He hired people in many instances who were smarter than him. He surrounded them and they let them do what they do. Right. So, yeah. You know, that's sort of very, I don't know what I don't know. Uh, and I think people would find it fascinating that Albert Einstein's one of his fa you know, famous quotes is I have no special talent. I'm only passionately curious. Right. And, you know, you named all the people I, you know, I talk about those uh, people in my talks and I wrote about them in my books and, and, you know, it's, it's also, you know, the Edison, you know, he just found all the ways to uh, something wouldn't work. It's not how he did that. He looked at it as failure. You know, all these quotes about curiosity uh, are really important. And you ask, uh, anybody from Warren Buffett to Bill Gates, what makes them successful? And they always come back to their curiosity. But it's interesting. I, I'll tell you, and, and probably like you, I, I sit, sit on quite a bit of panels and, you know, we get asked lots of questions about right. you know leadership and how do you be a you know better leader and kind of all those things. Mm -hmm. um, but I, but I also, you know, I'm in the audience a lot when that question is asked and and I'd say that it, it isn't often where you hear somebody actually say what we've just been talking about. Oh, well, I think, you know, the traits of a really strong leader are something like humility and curiosity. Right. 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 Uh, <laughs> you'll hear things like, well, it's, you know, uh, decision making and trust and knowledge and, you know, mm -hmm. understanding of the market, whatever it might be, sort of that very kind of business. And mm -hmm. people get uh, uncomfortable with the soft stuff. Right. They do. It's so squishy. <laughs> yeah. The squishy. And, and I think a lot of it is, um, it, that, you know, that I feel like you can't measure curiosity. Well, you know, they do have tests out there to measure whether you're highly or low, you know, low level curiosity, but that's not what this one does. And, uh, you know, and I think you can measure what keeps people from being curious, which I think is more important than telling me how high or low my curiosity is in general. I want to know how to fix it. And to fix it, you have to know what's stopping it. Yeah, well, yeah, I agree. And what I meant by my comment was actually, you know, many people get fixated on, I will manage what I can measure. <laughs> Oh yeah. Right. Well, right. Okay. Yeah. Right. So if I'm a leader, I, you know, I'm known for that's my, that's my strength. This is what makes a good leader. Cause if you mm -hmm. can't measure it, can't manage it, can't right. measure, manage it. Can't, right. And, mm -hmm. and the soft stuff for people feels unmanageable. And I mean that in a metric fashion, right. Like you can't, right. Like you can't give somebody, you know, a net promoter score on curiosity <laughs> and then say, here's your, you know, here's your goal. Like go get right. an 80. Right. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And so that's what I meant by the yeah. soft stuff. So, you know, how do you, uh, once again, I'm motivating, I'm listening. I'm now, I, now I'm curious about curiosity. I'm curious about my own curiosity. And, but I'm actually curious if my team is even still curious. Are they asking why? Are they asking the right questions? So that's going to be my Monday morning exercise in my team meeting, right? You've said, do these little changes. So that's going to be uh -huh. my change Monday morning. I'm listening to this. That's what I'm going to do. And I want to kind of go on this journey, but how do I, one, motivate them to want to be curious, but two, then reward them for that effort? Well, I think, you know, starting with talking about it is really important. I think, it, you know, I've been giving a lot of the certification training to people to, to do the CCI, but people can take it without a certified trainer online at curiositycode.com. You can take the assessment. And, and what it does is, you know, it's like an emotional intelligence test. You, I don't know if you want them to share your personal results, but you can talk about these uh, the different areas and what surprised you. And, and open up some ideas for some of the things that we talk about in the training, you know, some exercises that they can learn in, when they become certified to, to give this at, at organizations are so helpful to people in terms of 
helping leaders actually find out ways to get their teams curious. But I think, you know, without going through the formal training in that respect, they can start by taking the assessment and looking at some of these things and just have a dialogue about how much fear holds us back, how much assumptions hold us back, whatever, you know, start baby steps. Yeah. And I think this is fantastic. You know, I, I, um, the reason, like I said at the beginning of this of this conversation, the reason I wanted to have you on was because, you know, I've covered sort of on the edges a lot about oh innovation and leadership, some of the, you know, biggest sort of names in in, in doing that, but I think that this curiosity, you know, the EQ side is is interesting as well, but you know, it's the soft stuff that I'm finding. Uh, that I'm, you know, cause I'm paying attention to it more that when I am at events or listening to someone talk about, or I'm reading something about leadership and management and how to innovate and how to you know change the culture. You don't often hear, I hear the sort of the buzzword of curiosity, mm-hmm. uh, but then I don't see it, you know, action through the, in, through the organization where you actually give people permission to be curious, which means I need to fail a little bit and then ask why and learn and, mm-hmm. you know, ask the wrong questions so I can get to the right questions and, and find the answer. Otherwise I'm going to have faster horses. Right. And you need to be able to think outside of the company, outside the silo, outside the box, all outside everything. Like in my book, I mentioned a formula one race team inspired a hospital uh, to do something different. And you, we have melted chocolate bars inspiring a microwave oven and in there, the Play-Dohs and the Teflons and the Velcros, all these examples come from this, what we can do next by opening up our mind to thinking uh, outside of the way we've been doing things. And it, we have to talk about this, about how to get there and not just say curiosity is important. We have to be able to say, this is what's stopping me. And this is my plan for overcoming it. Yeah, and that's fantastic. That's fantastic, Diane. And so Thank you. I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up with, I do sort of a couple last questions. Um, okay. And, and I'm really super interested in your answer to this first one. The, it, it, and it is, uh, you know, based on all that you've done and the research and the books you've written and, you know, teachings and the learnings, if you could have a meal, dinner with anybody dead or alive, who would it be? It's, it's, that's an easy one for me. It was it'd definitely be Einstein. <laughs> I mean, he, he just, you know, I, I mean, there's so many people, but and I, it could be multiple people. You could do multiple. Yeah. Oh, uh, well, you know, I would have loved to have met Carlin, but uh, <laughs> George Carlin was a smart guy. But I, I mean, Einstein is interesting to me just because not only is he a genius, but the sense of humor and everything all wrapped into his mind was really fascinating to me. And I, I loved watching that show Genius that portrayed his life. I thought that was a really good. I don't know if you saw that. I did. I did. Yeah. And I thought it was really good. And um, but I, I think that he's somebody that who asks why so much that I, I have to put him at the top. You know, he said that if he didn't wasn't successful in the things that he did, that he was just going to become a plumber. So yeah. the Chicago Plumbers <laughs> Union gave him an honorary membership to the Chicago Plumbers <laughs> Union. It's a little That's fun great. Fact. Yeah. That is funny. I know. And, and the, and the last thing is, is, you know, how can how can people continue to keep up with what you're doing in your work? And, and you know, I think that anybody listening to this, I think taking that CCI and, and, and really taking that test is fantastic. And so maybe you can give uh, the listeners sort of how they can keep up with you. 
Well, they can go to curiositycode.com to look at the Curiosity Code Index and the book and, you know, to find out more about certification and all of that. My main website is drdianehamilton.com if you're interested in my speaking and all that other things that I do with the radio. But uh, they all kind of tie together once you're there. And I am on social media at Dr. Diane Hamilton. But you could also email me if you want at diane at drdianehamilton.com. Well, fantastic. Well, Diane, this has been just super special for me. I really enjoyed the conversation and I appreciate uh, all of your support uh, through my growth IQ and everything, you know, I guess in homage to Einstein with IQ, but, uh, (laughs) you know, ultimately uh, it's really just been a pleasure for me. So I appreciate you joining us today on the What's Next podcast. Well, thank you. It was my honor to be here and thank you for the opportunity. I loved it. It was a fascinating conversation. That was a fantastic conversation with Dr. Diane Hamilton. I had so many questions to ask. I wish we had had much more time, but I was fascinated by this whole concept of curiosity, how to become more curious as individual contributors and leaders and how the soft stuff is so important to our success for not only our company, for but for the people we lead and manage. And so for me, my question for you is what can we do next by thinking differently? What can we do to get out of a rut and to remove the status quo and to ask more why? Start with the right questions. We'll find the right answers. I hope you enjoyed this What's Next podcast with Dr. Diane Hamilton. Please subscribe, share with your friends, leave a comment, and I'll look forward to having you join me again next time. Have a great day.